Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I am your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what? Doc, what is up, man? Another beautiful Wednesday. Mm. Ready for a freaking awesome show. Mm. Let's do it. Mm, I am. I'm ready, man. We've got a great one. We've got a great one in store. You know, we always do. We've we've been building up during this quarantine life we have. You know, we've been in it for a while now. True. You know, couple couple uh, dude, months. I can't even remember what week we're on now. Couple months, I think. Actually, you know, I mean, I guess yeah, you sort of say like eight weeks. If you say yeah, start of March, sort of around there. You know, where it started May now, and you know. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I, I haven't really been missing anything too hard from the pre-quarantine days. I mean, every now and then, mm-hmm. I'll think of something. I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. But, you know, it's not like, not just like, oh, I gotta have it now, you know? Huh? I started, right. I started, yeah, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. Were you, I was gonna you, say, the only thing I maybe, like, miss is, like, going on a date out to dinner mm. or, like, Going, meeting up at the bar with some friends. You know, um, I, I, I gotta be honest. Just because I'm such, I'm such a, 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 a lover of food. Word. Like I love going out with people, but I also love eating. That's a fact. You know, and if I'm yeah, really yeah. hungry, I don't want to mix the two. I'm like, listen, people, I'm getting in this food, and we are going to not talk until I finish this food. So true. You know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, totally. I mean, I do I do miss, though, like a good wing night. I miss a good wing night. That's Yeah, like 50-cent wings, 60-cent yeah. wing night. Back in the you day, know. they used to be 25. Girl, come on. Oh, God. Old. I know, man. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh, that was good times back then. But I started thinking, Dave, and I realized something that's taken a pretty uh, bad hit because of quarantine. Something mm. something mm-hmm. unique to the South. You, uh, you mm. see it in Alabama. You see it in Georgia, Florida, South Carolina. I've seen it in all of those, all those states. It's on almost mm-hmm. every country road you drive through and like uh, a truck with a fruit or yes like honey or yes. something yes nice. random homemade signs for homemade goods and produce day Sweet. Mm. ah man i was reminded of this the other day because i was driving down a road here in northern florida right and it was mm. it wasn't in the city it was off the beaten path and as I'm mm-hmm. randomly going down this road, 50 miles per hour, I see like a 12 by 12 sign in a person's yard. Like not 12 feet, like 12 inches. Just 12 this little, yep. yeah, just this little teeny sign that's st- stuck out in their front yard, written in serial killer font with a sharpie that said homemade pickles. Word. Mm. That's that's all it said. <laughs> Homemade pickles. And like that I, I was just amazed by their marketing wizardry that I was like, that was it. So true. That's what they thought. Like, this is gonna bring people in. 
let's put it down. That's all this they be, need. This would be good. And I started thinking about all the all the times I've seen those signs in the South. You know, peaches mm-hmm. in Georgia, boiled peanuts in South Carolina, lemon signs in Florida, watermelon signs in Alabama. I've seen them all, Dave. You know. True. True. Yeah. Have you ever pulled over to one of these signs? Hmm. No, but I have ordered, um, you know, from the, um, what is it? The, uh, I'm blanking. Farmer's market. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so that those are like the same type of people that do it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's, the homemade like jams and stuff. Not a direct Um, seller. Not a direct seller. Um, yeah, I've never stopped. My dad used to do boiled peanuts. That's what? the only thing I can think of driving off and like stopping on the side of the road. Well, it's get. amazing because no one in their right mind should pull over for these signs. Nope. I mean, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> essentially, these signs seem as safe as if there were a bear there standing with a sign that said, I will not eat you. Trust me, I'm a bear. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it, regardless, people still pull over. Like, I Very pulled true. over before, and there are other people there. And you're just like, hmm. how How did we all end up here? That, sh- that sign was so sh**. How did we all buy into this sign, guys? Because right? you know it's going to be good. Well, so if you've ever stopped over at these places, it's such a magical scene, though. Because usually there's an old farmer sitting on a mm-hmm. stool beside the yep. open bed of his pickup truck That's a fact. with the produce in the bed of the pickup truck he's got he's got True. a flannel shirt True. on and the flannel shirt he's got way too many things stuffed into the chest pocket of that shirt there's like a novel <laughs> worth of notes and yeah and there's <laughs> yeah. like seven <laughs> pins a glass case maybe some Werther's originals Stuffed down in that pocket. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, it, once you ask them about their produce, there there's always another person that, that pops out. That's a fact. Like you ask oh, yeah. the old guy, and then there's some like financier. Young, like, yeah. Yep. Like mm-hmm. a wife, a daughter, a son, somebody, grandson. And they're always excited about the transaction. Yes. Like, the 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 old man is not interested at all. Like he no. could care less. In fact, he looks like you know, like a teenager in a in a family portrait. So true. Like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be associated with you. And he thinks you can all go mm-hmm. to. That's pretty much what right. he thinks. <laughs> but then the financier, they're all like, "Oh yeah, hold on," uh, and they're trying to make it as professional. As possible, even though there's no way of doing that. They're like pulling ones mm-hmm. out of their back pocket and they're throwing your bushel basket of peaches into an old Walmart bag and they're like, here you go. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is it's real nice. But you know what? Like you said, Dave, when you get back into your car and you have one of those peaches, if they're not the sweetest, most delectable peaches you've ever had, and you're Dude, like, it's the best deal you could ever make. And you walk out of there just like, yeah, I won. Yeah. Yeah. And for a second, you want to go back and shake that farmer's hand, but you don't for fear that you may be beat with a shovel. That's a fact. But you still mm. think like that guy, he made a peach right there. 
That was <laughs> nicely done, sir. You know, and I can't wait for those signs to start flourishing again, Dave. I can't wait for them to pop up once again in the South. And you know, I started thinking mm. about it, Dave. Our show's a little bit like that homemade sign. So true. In the world of entertainment, people cruising through their different choices of media, and they see all these great things, and then they see a show that looks like a serial killer made it. Our show. And Would then any- they click on it. Exactly. Would anybody <laughs> in their right mind ever actually listen to our show? No. Nope. But d- but they do. Some people end up taking a chance on us. And they have a really good time doing it. Yes! Dave, are you See, ready that is to... a great metaphor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Are you ready to fire up this produce stand of a show? Let's fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Yes! Yes, Dave, we have, like I said, a terrific show. We have MC Taylor, the creator of His Golden Messenger, on the show. We're going to talk career. We're going to talk food options in North Carolina. We're going to talk parenting. Okay. Uh, He he said parenting scares him. Uh, I don't blame him. I agree with him. (laughs) He has two kids, though. That's the difference between him and me. Mm. It scares me enough not to have them. It scares him just enough, I guess, to keep him focused. Only two. Keep him focused. (laughs) Anyways, we start where we need to start, which would be a birthday suit. Of course. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay. Uh, Our birthday suit wearer was born May 6th, 1961 in Lexington, Kentucky. His mother was a former beauty queen. And his father was an anchor man and a television host. Huh. Hmm. Some good looking people, probably. Yeah, yeah. That's a fact. He played basketball and baseball in high school and actually tried out for the Cincinnati Reds after high school. Hmm. But didn't make the team. Went on Ooh. to go to the Northern Kentucky uh, Northern Kentucky University and then University of Cincinnati. Didn't graduate from either. He started acting in nineteen seventy eight. When a television okay. miniseries was filmed in his hometown, he started picking up small roles like on The Golden Girls, Roseanne, and Sisters. But he hit his big break when he was chosen to play Dr. Doug Ross on the TV drama ER. From there, he started acting in movies like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Twelve, Ocean's Thirteen, Syriana, Leatherheads, and in 2013, he co-founded a... George Clooney. George Clooney is correct. Yes, indeed. Uh, I knew it had to be a good-looking dude. Good-looking dude right there. In 2013, he co-founded a tequila company with two of his friends, and four years later, he sold the company for $700 million. Jeez. Not bad. Uh, TV Guide ranked him as the sexiest star of all time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I told you, good-looking. Good look, and I'm not gonna lie, he is. He's that classically handsome. You're just like, man, his face is so well shaped. So true. It's just yep. got, it's and got well so groomed. many good, 
angles and curves to it. You're just like, nice. <laughs> and like all of his like old man creases, they fall in the right area. And you're just like, oh, even age doesn't even look bad age, on you. You age well. Yeah, man. <laughs> and, and now I say this, and I know people aren't going to believe this, but... I, for some reason, I was looking at a, a fairly recent picture of George Clooney. I think it's from 2016. And in my head, Dan Rather clicked in my head, the old TV anchor. And I put up a picture mm. of fairly old picture of Dan Rather and fairly recent mm. picture of George Clooney. They reminded me hit. of each other. I'm just saying. Mm. I'm just saying. Post that online. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But. There you go. George is turning 59. Turning 59. 59. One okay, year George. away from 60. Oh, a biggie coming up. Now, I will say what blows me away is how close George Clooney and, and Brad Pitt are in age. Like, and, yeah. Because they're, they're, well they're uh, Brad Pitt's only a few years younger than George Clooney. And I got to say, I always thought, especially when I was younger, that George Clooney was like 20 years older than him. Because, oh, for cause, sure. Because of the like hair. The he kind of carries um, Yeah. It's the gray hair. Himself, it's yeah. the gray hair, and it's Brad Pitt's blonde hair. You know? Blonde yeah. just makes you yeah. look younger and carefree, you know? Whereas sure. <laughs> gray makes you look like an old wizard, you know? So, old and stressed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nonetheless, George isn't stressed because he has $700 million from his tequila company. So, happy birthday, George. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, George. Uh, Go look up that tequila and get some... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we get we have now made it to our section, Dave, where we have to go back and we have to turn over some stones that we left unturned yes. on the last My show. Favorite. Yeah, previously on the Doc G Show. Previously on the Doc G Show. Okay, Dave. So we have two things. Two things from last week's show. Uh, last week we talked about a Michigan man uh, that inexplicably threw money out on the highway. Remember yep. that? Yeah. Yep, yep. So I did some more investigation, and I found a more recent, more thorough news release. Oh. First of all, it was roughly $30,000 that flew out onto the Dang. highway. Yeah. So much. Yeah, a lot. Now, several things were actually incorrect in that other version of the story. Yeah. Yeah. First, it wasn't a car. It was a truck. He's in a truck. Mm -hmm. Two. Important detail. He didn't throw the money out. Nope. It came out of a cardboard box that he had <laughs> in the bed in the of his truck uh -huh. while he was mm. driving. Because nothing so he says. didn't even mean to throw it. Yeah, oh. nothing says safekeeping like a cardboard box on a windy highway. Am I right? <laughs> Best. Best with, way with to no keep your money. Top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I've got to go back to the original story and say, why did they come up with the term confused? Hmm. Like, because he obviously wasn't confused. It was just a bad decision on his part to put money in a cardboard box. Like, that's <laughs> not... Just he must have been confused. Yeah. Like, that's not confused. 
I mean, I just... stupid. So, I still couldn't find anything else, though, like, you know, why he had it there, what he was doing, Mm. where he was transporting it. It had none of those. So, I'm going to try to follow up again, but I feel like I'm going to lose the trail, Dave. I feel like they're not going to keep on following up. Yeah, I appreciate the effort. Yeah, thank you. Connect a couple dots. Then you got a little bit. We got a little bit. Okay, so second thing to follow up on. Shout outs. I gave a shout out to San Francisco, and then I told you about the Mm -hmm. time I stayed in the Tenderloin District, which was a bit rough. And you were like, hey, why do they call it the Tenderloin District? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I did some research, Dave. First off, the Tenderloin District apparently is known to locals as just the loin. Word. Yeah. Oh. Which, I mean, you got to admit, that makes it sound even skankier. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, you going to the this loin? The loin is, like, classy. Yeah, yeah, but just the loin. Mmm. Burning loins. Mm. All right. All right. So, why is it called the tenderloin? Turns out, nobody actually really has a definite answer there. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. We do know, however, that it started showing up on maps... About 1930. That's mm-hmm. that's when it actually started getting the formal name on maps. Up until then, it was known as St. Anne's Valley. Hmm. That's what it was okay. taught. Yeah. And then it started being called Tenderloin. Most people think it was named after the Tenderloin District in New York because there is a mm-hmm. Tenderloin District in New York, that's a fact. which was the red light district from 24th to 42nd Street in Manhattan. And that was rumored to be named by an NYPD inspector, Alexander Williams, around the time after the Civil War, because he said he made so much money off of bribes in that area that he could afford to eat tenderloin instead of chuck roast. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So that, apparently, because it was the same seedy activity that was going on in San Francisco, they mm-hmm. used the same name. They were like, it's just like the Tenderloin District in New York. Yes! So there you go. There you go. Nice. So even though they're not sure why it's called that, they're sure as not changing the name, Dave. Back no. in 2011, PETA contacted the mayor, mayor and asked if they had changed the name. And the mayor was like, mm, pass. That's right. Not going to do it, PETA. Sorry. It's the <laughs> Tenderloin District. Also, you may remember that I told you, not really the cleanest or nicest area. Fun fact, right. uh, the public health department in San Fran has a used needle recovery program. And mm-hmm. uh, in the Tenderloin area, uh, they apparently, from this program, retrieved 164,264 needles just in the month of August. Ew. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah. couple of needles being used in the uh, Tenderloin district, Dave. Just a couple. Just a couple. Got a little bit of an opioid problem. Nonetheless, it is a nice place to visit. Some good places to get some eats there. Nice place to get some eats. Not a great place Glad to get to a good see night you made to it sleep. Out safe. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good place to get some sleep. With that being said, Dave, are you ready to rip some headlines? 
Let's rip it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, uh, first story from the Tampa Bay Times, Dave. Uh, have you ever been hit with a taser? I have. Oh, um, wait, what? Yikes. <laughs> my my buddy um, brought a taser to a bar one night, one mm. you can like buy online. Oh. It was like supposed to be low-leveled, but by that time, I mean, we were drunk or whatever, and just, um, <laughs> you know, he like tased himself. Yeah. And he's like, before I do it on someone, I wanted to see what it feels like. Yeah. And then next thing you know, we all go out in the parking lot of Miller's Ale House and, mm. you know, take a shot and then mm. shock yourself. Oh. <laughs> mm. Bad decisions. Bad decisions oh, from alcohol. Well, apparently there's a cop in Tampa Bay that that wanted to do that with some friends as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um... He's been put on suspension for doing it, actually. So, apparently, Officer Pace, back in 2017, was off-duty, hanging out at his house with his Mm fiancée, when they started Mm -hmm. talking about the taser. With her permission, he used it on the fiancée. Then, Mm -hmm. about a month later, he was apparently talking to a family friend. They started talking about the taser, and then the family friend was like, you know what? Use it on me. So with his permission, he did. Now, yeah. after these two incidents, uh, apparently um, he, he, he was reported to the police station, and now mm-hmm. he's been suspended for it. And, you know, I started thinking. I was like, how did he get reported? I mean, both of these two cases were consensual tasings, yes! right? Right. Like these the only people. Thing I can think it was like a neighbor or something. Well, snitching. then I then I got to the end of the story, Dave, and it said Pace's mm-hmm. fiance described by police as now estranged reported the mm. incidents to the department, and I was like, oh, uh. let that be a lesson to all you cops out there. If you're thinking about harmlessly tasing your fiance, just make sure you're going to be married to her for life. Because if not, she may turn around and narc on you. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, mm, using the professional equipment for non-professional purposes, Dave. And I don't know Mm. what the difference is, like, between the voltage that we used. Um, I don't know. I but, don't know. But maybe I mean, maybe it's a serious oof. step up. Maybe it's a serious step up. I'm, I'm sure know. it is, man, because you see the people. No, they get, um, they, they lock like, up. Shoot, shoot they it at up. them. Oh, yeah. Ours was just like a little like. Does not zap. look. I mean, it definitely. Does not look yeah. pleasant. Does not look pleasant. No, uh, not at all. This next story is from Fox Channel 11 in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Since the whole pandemic has started. We've talked a lot about uh, what is an essential service and what is not. Mm -hmm. A lot of cities have had to make decisions on their own, Dave. Well, Beverly Hills made one of those decisions last week. Word. The Beverly Hills City Council voted four to one that all cosmetic surgery services should immediately be reopened because they're essential. Yeah. It would be Beverly Hills. Exactly. Exactly. I was like, come on, Beverly Hills. Come on. Could you be any more uh, on the fake nose? Pun intended. Come on. I mean, gosh. 
It's it's like if Kentucky made all horse races essential, or and bourbon distilling, or Indianapolis <laughs> made IndyCar races essential, or if Florida made all meth addicted alligators essential, and we were like, yeah, that's Sweet. what we do. Like, come on, come on, Beverly Hills. Jeez. This next story from NBC News Channel Eight in Tampa. Dave, speaking of essential services. You know what's not one? Poker. Nope. Poker. Ooh, yeah, good call. Good is call. not essential, but it's not stopping a card room in Tampa. That's right. Apparently, Derby Lane Poker Room in Tampa is reopening May 11th for poker. Uh, when the News Channel 8 team reached out to Derby Lane, they said that they're going to open just 13... Of their 52 tables. Hmm. And they wholeheartedly believe in the safety of their employees and guests Mm -hmm. are of the utmost importance. They will require that all uh, CDC and local restrictions be strictly enforced at all times. I will say, Dave, I was very surprised when I heard that they had 52 tables in the facility. I was like... You're telling me there's actually a time that there are over 300 people in Tampa that all want to play poker? Like, that actually... I believe it, man. That's surprising. Well, like, it surprises me that this place didn't go out of business 20 years ago when online poker became a thing. So true. Like, how... How how do you like I don't want to sit around a poker table. I guess there are people that want to do it, but it's not me, Dave. Dude, it's a it's a pretty I mean, I'm not either. I've only I went to the Hard Rock one time um and played blackjack. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. I mean, you know, maybe a every once in a while kind of thing, but that was like 2 years ago now. Yeah. You know, and I haven't jumped back onto a table, but there's people that like live at the tables, man. Yeah. And uh you know, the best bet in Jacksonville has a pretty big, um, not following, but uh, clientele. But, well, but know. I mean, still, like, in the, and then on top of that, you're like, really? You want to play poker that bad that you're like, you know what? Who cares? Quarantine, it's fine. Let's get <laughs> in on this table and breathe on each other. Let's do this thing. Sweet. Like, yeah. mm, nope. Mm. Nope. Dave. This next story is from Oregon Live. Uh, did you celebrate this past weekend? Hmm. I didn't, man. I didn't. Girl, come on! You're going to sit there and act like you did not celebrate the World Naked Gardening Day on May 2nd? Yeah! Come oh, on, man. Dave. I was gardening, too. I should have done it <sighs> naked. You should have. You should have because it was World Naked Gardening Day. I got to be honest. When I My thought new about neighbors would have loved me. <laughs> <laughs> when I thought about this, Dave, I was like, "That's got to be like one of the last things I would think that would be nice to watch or do naked." That's a fact. Like, I mean, no, no, first, no way. you're definitely well, gonna it depends r- what gardening you're doing. Well, you're gonna rule out watching someone naked gardening because, like, all the crouching and straining and. Dirt yeah. getting stuck in oh. crevices. Nobody oh. wants to see that. Ew. That's just no. not a good way to see the human body. Nope. And then, I mean, performing gardening naked? 
Like, what if you got, like, blackberry plants or, like, roses? Anything with thorns. That's not going to be good. Uh, yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah, you don't need to be brushing up against any thorns while pantless. That is not going mean, to be enjoyable. Like mowing the, you know, mowing the yard, you know, get a that's, full body, that's even true. tan. But, I mean, I just need to be, uh, uh, I need to be um, told when naked hammock day is. Yes! That sounds better. Oh, that sounds, yeah, that sounds yeah. good. Sounds Let's, like a sunburn waiting to happen. Oh, yikes. I don't yeah, need You accidentally fall asleep because you get too comfy. Oof, and the oof. next thing you know, you got a sunburn. I, cu- I, I couldn't handle an all-over sunburn. That would be mm. one time, one time I tried some some nude sunbathing, Dave. Wait, what? Some nude oh, sunbathing. Where'd you do that? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna release the location because we all know oh. the Pavarazzi would be out there, Dave. They'd be out there. <laughs> Ew. But I tried it right, and I was only out there for like 20 minutes, just really because I wanted to Dude. feel the sun on my body. You know? Ew. How and weird did it? Did you did you feel dirty? No, I felt great. But here's the oh, thing: okay. is the 20 minutes because my ass had never seen the sun ever. Mm-hmm. It burnt yeah. so fast, oh. and the next day hurt so bad. Oh mm-hmm. man, such a bad decision. Uh, yeah, I couldn't uh, sit on anything. A oh. sunburn on your ass, not good. Nope. Not good. Not good at all, Dave. I'm just saying. Lesson learned. Take your word for it. Lesson learned. Okay, so, uh, Dave, here's a story from uh, Clearfield, Pennsylvania by WTAJ. Um, okay. 38-year-old woman was taken into custody on charges of simple assault and disorderly conduct when she apparently got into an argument with a man and then stabbed him with a mm. pair of scissors. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Now, this is the thing that I found a little weird. Uh, her name was Angel Coudre. Hmm. Yeah. She sounds like someone that would stab him with some scissors. Well, I mean, I was like, is it part of the law that she has to give up her first name now? Like, that's so some... She's no longer an angel. That's, mm. that's false she advertising. Like, or at least have parentheses after angel. Like, angel... In parentheses, sometimes stabs folks with scissors. You know, like <laughs> just just so people are informed, because like that's it's not right when you come up to an angel and then they're like, "Oh, by the way, I stab people." You're like, "Oh, jeez, yikes! Yeah. Don't know if I can trust you anymore." <laughs> nope. Dave, this next story is from Daily Mail UK. So mm-hmm. uh, quarantine. Obviously, really made a lot of TV worse, you know? That's true. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. Shows just aren't what they used to be. Talk shows, news shows, like... The Bachelor turned into the freaking singing Bachelor. Well, they're just all, like, all all my talk shows and, like, all, like, late night. It's, like, goofy Zoom interviews, and you're like, what? Yeah. I don't need to see this guy and then you on judge Zoom. Judge people the background of their yeah. rooms and stuff. Well, speaking of that, Dave, uh, this is happening all around the world, and mm-hmm. judging people by that background happen 
to one Alfonso Merlos hmm. on a Spain hmm. news channel. So, mm-hmm. Alfonso was hosting Estado de Alarma uh, from his mm-hmm. house. And while mm-hmm. Alfonso was talking on the camera, a lady in underwear just cruises mm-hmm. through the video in the background. Just uh, casually, yeah. mostly naked. And uh, viewers were quick to notice that the lady in the background wasn't who Alfonso was known to be dating at the time. Oh, yeah. Shit. And, and he obviously had broken social distancing to meet up with this lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. And since the controversy happened, Alfonso went on the Anna Rosa show to clear things up. He told viewers that he and the girl folks thought he was dating. They had actually already brought, uh, broke up. And he said, if you think that my attitude has not been correct or that there are things that I have not done well, I have no problem asking for forgiveness. So he's trying to cover mm. up his tracks, Dave. That means um, he definitely got caught. <laughs> Uh, moving on, did you see on the same storyline, did you see, I think it was Mike Vrabel during the NFL draft. Oh, did this um, happen to him too? Well, so they had like a picture of him or whatever. And yeah. then you could like screw like on the corner of the screen was the entryway to like the next room, which was a bathroom. Uh-huh. And there was a guy like. Jeez. On oh, the toilet. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> come like, on. Like, door open. Ew. Well, like, that's what I was going to say. Like, r- regardless in this dude's situation, wrong or right, relationship or not, like, you can't stay out of the picture. Like, did he tell her before he started filming? Like, hey, right. I'm, I'm going to be on live TV, so maybe don't walk half naked in the background. Hmm. Like, or at all. Maybe maybe walk behind the computer if you have to walk by. You know, like, is it Super. that hard? Hmm. Same with that dude. Is it that hard to use the other bathroom? You know, like, come on, folks. Think about it. Just think about it. Use your brains. It. Dave, we're going to take a break, but we have two more stories on the other side of the break that I didn't get to. Uh, we are going to... Yeah, yeah. We are going to hear from our musical guest today. This is His Golden Messenger with Southern Grammar right here on the Doc G Show.
Here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave. Guys, do us a favor. Go to your app downloading app. Mm -hmm. Download a podcast. Mm -hmm. Then go download our podcast. Yep. And give us a five-star rating. Bingo. Say something cool. Bingo. We love Doc. Yep. You love me. Yep. We talk about awesome things. Put yep. in your favorite segment. Peaches. What? I don't know. Anything nice. Mm -hmm. Then go to the docgshow.com. Mm -hmm. Check out our website. Boom. Look at some goodies on there. Yes. What yes. else can you think of? I think I hit it all. You hit it all. That's all we got. I mean, you can go on Instagram if you want. That's fine. You don't yeah. really need I mean, Instagram, you know. Facebook, Twitter. No, yeah. we just have no, Instagram. No. That's too much, man. It's too much for us to keep up with, with all the different... You're too old. That's a fact. Yeah, well, like, I mean, what are they going to want next from me? A TikTok? Am I going to have to do the dances, Dave? Yeah. Oh, Am I yeah, going to have to get out there and dance? Oh, that would be awesome. Nope. I don't know. I did see, again, I saw on um, this news feed of where this, uh, like, 45-year-old mom, she mm -hmm. broke it down with this twerking dance that i was just like oh whoa whoa <laughs> i mean it was on the daughter's tiktok but she did it and mm -hmm. i was like wow that's not They're appropriate wow. for a mother of 45 but you do it oh, lady goodness. you get it <laughs> um all right all right dave we need to thank the folks that have already done that kind of stuff by being regulars we need to shout mm -hmm. some folks out here shout out. so starting off Duval County, Jacksonville. Shout out to everybody out there in the greater 904. Um, shout, out. shout out to Columbia, South Carolina. Shout out. The greater 803. Yes, indeed. Shout out to uh, Gainesville. Shout out. Uh, shout out to Charlotte, North Carolina. I think that's. Shout out. I think it's. No, it's not 704. It's something seven, though. Their main area code is seven something. I can't think of it. Mm. I'll think of it later. Uh, Rad it. Radford, Virginia. Shout out shout to them. Out. 540. Shout out to the 540. Mountain View, California. I'm sorry. I have no idea what your area code it is. Nope. None in the slightest. <laughs> Least you're on. Shout out to Dublin, Ireland. I really, I don't even know how it works. Shout it's international. Out. It's crazy. You yeah, put in different they numbers. Have, they probably use I, like letters. I don't know, guys. <laughs> but thank you because they really up their listens. They were like, Ooh, they were like nice. third or fourth in total listens for the for the week. Sweet. Yeah, Dublin Ooh, really getting that's what there. I like to hear. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to London, specifically this week, Hackney and Islington. Thank you, guys. Shout out. Uh, oh, sh yeah. Shout out to Genoa, Italy, of course. Shout Barcelona, out. Spain. Mm -hmm. Ashburn, Virginia. Shout out. Charleston, South Carolina. That'd be 843. Got that Shout one. There out. we go. Um, nice. Kenner, Louisiana. I think Kenner would be 504 since it's in New Orleans, I'm guessing. 504 boys would be my guess. True. Um, True. 
Shout out to Maputo, Mozambique. I have no clue, guys. Don't know what you're doing over there with phone numbers. Don't Shout know. Um, <laughs> Madison, Tennessee. I'm not sure either. I should know Nashville's, but I don't know theirs. I can't think of it off the top I of my head. I think it's a nine. I want to say something with a nine. Anyways, <laughs> thanks to all the regulars. Thank you for putting up with me trying thank to you, think guys. of area codes. I love it. Um... Also, by the way, Dave, like two weeks ago, I switched Roanoke, Virginia to regulars. The Star City let me down. Oh! Since then, oh, not a listen. Nothing. I, it's, like, oh. it's like they achieved it, and they were like, and done. No more. No more. Okay. Semi-regulars. Blenheim, Shout New out. Zealand, rocking with us again. Thank you, Blenheim. Nice. Buffalo, New York, upstate, getting it done. Uh, Orlando, of course. Miami, of course. Sacramento, California. Thanks, Sacktown. San Francisco, back on the list again. Thanks, San Francisco. Keep it in the loin district, you guys. In the loin. Yeah. Moscow. Thank you, Moscow. Keep it listening, guys. Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton, New hey. Jersey. Yeah. Shout Fairfax, out. Virginia. Thank you. And lastly, Dirksland and Amsterdam, Netherlands. Thanks, Shout guys. Out. Thanks. Ooh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Thank they came, you guys. came back. Came back. Netherlands, they listen every now and then. They get in on it. Um, okay. Newcomers. Are you ready, Dave? Here we go. I'm ready. Milan, Italy. Shout out. Yes. Fancy. Yes. I think our influence in Genoa has spread because like those two cities they're right they're only like a 60 miles away from each other so you know mm-hmm. i think maybe maybe they're talking yeah word spreading yeah yeah and uh, you know fashionable in milan dave very armani we're very fashionable. versace dolce and gabbana you know doc g i don't really just, wear any of those works. things but i do i do wear their <laughs> cologne so you know you do I've got some Dolce & Gabbana. I've got some Armani. Armani Code, delicious. Word. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Such a good smell. It just sounds good. Dolce & Gabbana, light blue. That just puts you in a good mood right there, the light blue. Mm, it's nice. Mm. It's nice. Uh, Dave, I've been told if you're hitting up Milan, you got to get some risotto. Yes! They, they, make their, okay. they make a special risotto that's only in Milan. And uh, wow. I saw some pictures of it. It got me going. It got me going. It looked pretty good. Okay, second newcomer. Winfield, West Virginia. Shout out. Winfield. Yeah. West Virginia, okay. Dave, you know Virginia's for Doc G lovers. We got to make West Virginia that way, too. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, we got we to gotta make West Virginia for Doc G lovers. It's got to happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, w- wait, what is their actual uh, West Virginia... Um, hmm. Isn't it almost heaven? That, I think that's what their their slogan is, like on on license plate. West Virginia, almost heaven. Almost heaven. So, maybe. um, I don't know how we would change that to Doc G, because I'm yeah. not. We're not almost heaven, and I um, don't. <laughs> he looks like God. He looks like Jesus. <laughs> looks almost like Jesus. There we go. That's exactly the same thing. You nailed it. Close um, enough. Yes! Winfield is sort of in between Huntington and Charleston. You ever been to either one of those? Those are sort of two big cities there, bigger I've been cities. To Charleston. Yeah, you have. Okay, there you go. 
Huntington is where Marshall is. That's a fact. Huntington's uh, where the old, the thundering herd stays. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, Winfield is part of the metro area of Huntington. Hmm. But it's it's pretty far out there. Pretty small area. And it was named after Winfield Scott, the Army oh, General, man. Dave. Yeah. You know what his what nickname was? Uh, when? Old Fussin' Feathers. That was his Old nickname. Fussin' Feathers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always remember it in history classes because it's so goofy. Yes! Apparently, he yeah. got, he How got can it. Forget that. He got it because he dressed in all of his fanciest gear. He was all about you know looking celebratory and then all your best army duds. You know, you had to be in the yeah. best. That's why he was old fussing feathers. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to Winfield. Shout out to Milan. Thank you for everybody out there listening. We appreciate it. So true. Dave. Yeah, thank you, guys. Time for our last two stories here. So, uh, next is a story from uh, News Channel 9 in Denver. Dave, when a person makes a deposit at a bank, what are they depositing? Hmm. Money. Yes. Yes, correct. Generally, they are depositing money. That's right. Well, apparently, a man in Denver was a tad distracted when he was depositing his money at the bank. Mm -hmm. Because when mm -hmm. the teller opened the tube that was sent from the man, you know, at the drive-thru there, they found right. money, and they also found two baggies of cocaine. Wait, what? Um. <laughs> the mm. teller then called the police... And when the police oh, called boy. up to the man, they found more drugs in his car. And then when they asked the man if he meant to put the cocaine in the deposit, he said no. Of course not. <laughs> but, like, I got to ask, like, did anyone ask him how he screwed that up? Because, hmm. like... It's, it's not like yeah. <laughs> it's not like a bag of cocaine can be confused for a couple of dollars. Nope. They're pretty different items. Like, I mean, if he was at a bank that only accepted deposits of powdered sugar, that'd be one thing. But I mean, it's so true. This is very different. And I'd yeah, also not even close. I'd also be confused if I was the teller. Like, I don't. I don't even know if I would call the cops at first. Like, if he open, if I opened that up, I'd just be like, my first thought would be like, does he want me to throw away these weird bags? Hmm. What the? Like, I wouldn't even think cocaine first because you work at a bank. Like, why? Would you, like, I'd just be like, what is this? What did he put in here with the money? This is weird. Like, so bizarre. Yeah. So, I. This guy's got think it through, buddy. Think it through. You Be had better. you had one job. One job. Well, deposit the money. Two jobs. He's well, selling drugs. I guess, yeah. <laughs> you, one job, deposit the money. Second job, don't deposit cocaine. That was... Yeah. Um, okay. All right. This next story, Dave, is from uh, Fox Channel 35 here in Florida, okay. in Orlando. Uh, Dave, what do police need to enter a house? Hmm. A warrant. Exactly. Ding, and in, ding, ding. In this case, <laughs> the police were reminded by the homeowner's doormat. Word. So, <laughs> police had been scoping out a house in Flagler County for weeks as a mm -hmm. house where drugs were being used and sold. So... 
police decided to move on that house last Friday. When they got up to the front door, they noticed the homeowner had a mat that said, come back with a warrant. Sadly, that's so obvious. (laughs) Well, sadly for the homeowner, they already had a warrant. And they just proceeded to enter the house and found a couple grams of fentanyl, yikes, uh, syringes, and other drug paraphernalia. Now, Rick Staley, who he's a a bit of a polarizing figure. He's the sheriff of the county. He said, Mm -hmm. quote, this poison peddler had a doormat that said, come back with a warrant. So we did. We still have some follow-up work uh, to do. But for now, the deadly drugs and syringes seized are off the streets. That's what he said. Now, something I noticed, though was that they had a picture of this bust in the story, and outside of the house, the -hmm. police had actually put a little sign in the yard, just like the homemade Mm -hmm. pickle sign, except this Mm -hmm. sign said, this drug house is closed for business. Wait, what? Literally. It said that. Wow. Which, I mean... It's it's a courteous thing to do for folks that were planning on buying or interacting with the drug dealer that lived there, but like, yeah. as law enforcement, wouldn't you rather keep those folks in the dark about your right, activity? And then have them stop and come by. And, exactly. You know, like, I mean, that's sort of like saying, think "Hey, be some missing links." Well, you you'd think, yeah, you'd think. I mean, it's, it's essentially like them saying, "Hey, tomorrow we'll be doing a prostitution sting on Thirty Second Street. So if you're into prostitutes, come on down and say, hey, we'd just <laughs> like to see you there.' Like it sort of ruins their whole their whole undercover idea there. You Nobody's know, if they would have had a doormat that said, "Hide all Amazon packages from my husband," mm. it probably wouldn't have gotten busted. That's true. They would have been like, you know what? This isn't a drug house. This is just a dude that likes his Amazon packages. Yeah, the and lady so, has a problem. But the late, lady has an issue. A drug problem. All right, Dave. Birthday suit. Second birthday Alrighty. suit. Here Let's we go. Do it. Born on May 6, 1987 in South mm-hmm. Philadelphia. Mm. At a young South age, our birthday suit wears... Oh, now, it's not Will Smith. Sorry. Nope. That would have been much yeah. earlier than 80s. that. I think I he was you. I think he was in the sixties actually. I'm pretty sure Big Willie style was in the sixties. Yeah, he's in the fifties. Oh wait, Sixties. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That's probably about right. Yeah, no, because yeah. he's fifty something now, so he'd be in the sixties. Anyways. Okay. Uh this guy, uh our our birthday suit wear at a young age had his father killed during an attempted robbery. Yeah. And our birthday suit wears mom moved the family to North Philadelphia, uh, where as a teenager, our uh, birthday suit wear started to get involved in hip hop. Uh, mm-hmm. His uncle was a disc jockey and involved in the local hip hop scene. When our mm-hmm. birthday suit wear uh, got to a, a, a certain age, he started uh, performing in rap battles. Rap battles. Mm. By the year 2008, he had already released four solo mixtapes. In mm-hmm. 2009, he was signed to Grand Hustle Records, TI's record Grand company. Hustle Boy. 
Yeah, that's a fact. But he was arrested on weapons and drug charges and forced to serve seven months in jail. In 2011, he re-signed with Maybach Music Group. And in 2012, he released his debut album, Dreams and Nightmares. With Meek his... Mills. Meek Mills is correct. Nicely done on Dream and Nightmares there. Nicely done. His uh, second studio album came out in 2014 entitled Dreams, uh, Worth More Than Money. He had a feud with Drake because a birthday suit wearer claimed that Drake didn't write his own raps. And in 2015, Ooh. he went out with Nicki Minaj for two years. Yes! Nah, there you go. Meek Mills. Meek Mills. Meek Mills. Free Love Meek. Me some Meek Millie. Free Meek. He is free yeah, that now. that was a big thing back in the day. It was. It was. What was that, about three years ago? I started looking that up, but I was like, yeah, Dave will get it off of these clips. So true. Uh, I think it was like three or four uh, yeah. years ago, I want to say. Somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, it, it was a little bit. Something like that. Anyways... Meek Mills turning the big 3-3. Three, three. He's got Scotty Man, Pippen he's year. Younger than expected. Scotty Pippen year for, for the old Meek Mill. All right, Dave, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear one more time from our musical guest. This is His Golden Messenger with Highland Grace. We will be right back with MC Taylor here on the Doc G Show. Welcome back to the show today, everybody. We are super lucky to have the creator and man behind his golden messenger, Mr. MC Taylor. MC, how's it going? Going well. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, well, first, I got to ask, you know, since we're all in quarantine, uh, I know your wife's a teacher. How's it, uh, how's it been teaching? During quarantine, because I feel like I, I I feel for those folks. Hmm. Um, well, it's it seems like it's going. It seems like it's going okay. She's doing a lot of stuff um, via the phone and internet. Yeah, it's not perfect, but it's um, it's something. Now, what, what class or what grade does she teach? Well, she's an um, ESL teacher, so oh. she. 
teaches everything from kindergarten to second grade. Um, and these are, these are kids who, um, you know, are newcomers, um, and are, are learning English. Mm. Mm. That's gotta be even tougher over internet and phone. I'm guessing, man, that's, I mean, you know, she's, she's doing what she can. I think all, all, all public school teachers right now are, are doing their best. Of course, of course. Now you've uh, you've been doing some live streaming yourself during quarantine. I noticed recently you did a, a tribute to John Prine, uh, a live stream there. Uh, how did the live stream go? And um, you know, obviously, it seems like uh, well to all songwriters, John Prine means a lot. But w- w- what did he mean to you as far as a songwriter? Uh, I, I mean, John was. Um was one of the greats, you know, I think he was certainly one of the great American songwriters of the 20th century. And, um, there was a, there was a vulnerability to his, to his songs. And, um, as a person, he was, you know, he was accessible, actually. Mm-hmm. He was, um, you know, we, those of us in, in the wider songwriting community had a way to, get in touch with him and be encouraged by him and you know he was wide open he was there's he was one of a kind um yeah between uh between losing john prine and bill withers in the same week that was that was uh i don't know i don't know what that was that was was a hard one (laughs) big loss big loss you know live streaming is um I'm I'm personally finding the live stream thing a little bit a little bit hard. It's it's such a poor substitute for the the real thing, and and I understand that um, you know it does give us some kind of engagement and and way to gather together, and and that's something that I I really appreciate about it, and yeah. I'm glad that it exists. But it also it's also a stark reminder that the the internet is 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 um you know a pretty poor poor substitute for for it's not a live show yeah Yeah. it's not a live show yeah it's not a live show he's the emotion is is hard to hard to get to that same place for sure well uh i also noticed uh on john prine you actually just recently put on instagram there uh you did a cover of Big Old Goofy World, and you had your you had your family uh, playing with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed your yeah my your daughter was locked in on that tambourine. She was making sure <laughs> she got that beat right. She was concentrating. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded good. It sounded good. Um, Thanks. So uh, you grew up in California, and uh, yeah, and. I've heard you talk about your musical career and how it sort of had several, you know, rebirths throughout the throughout the years. Um, mm-hmm. What what initially got you sparked into music and and your love for music? Um, my dad played a lot of music around the house. You know, he, he himself is a guitar player and singer, so I think that's um, that's probably where I first understood from a very young age that just regular folks could could make a sound <laughs> um and and then i think i was really drawn to rhythm um yeah. and and real strong melody and as i got older music became the way that i 
defined and and understood myself and the world. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I wasn't a I wasn't really into sports. I was, you know, kind of a kind of an introverted person mm-hmm. and music was the way that I sort of established my my boundaries in the universe and and explained myself to myself and to other people and and honestly it's I feel like it's kind of continued that way music is the way that I that I see the world yeah well and and you know talking about that I've heard from several people uh, how wide your music appreciation is just in you know uh, your your knowledge and and how you immerse yourself in music and recently on Instagram I saw you posted about Burning Spear and Sun Ra and how you <laughs> heard them for the first time together your junior year in yeah. high school um, yeah. which I mean obviously when you look at those two it, it's not really the same vein as your music and i was wondering what's some music uh you know that's really inspired you uh in your music making that no one would really think oh that's inspired his music making that doesn't really make that connection to your music i i would say that the vast majority of what i listen to there's not there would not be a clear through line for most people um between what my music sounds like yeah and what the music that I listen to sounds like, but if you start, if you start to dig down, you know, a few layers, it becomes um, it becomes more obvious. I think on a, on an emotional level. I mean, I'm interested yeah. in rhythm. I'm interested in sort of you know spiritual questing, yeah. we'll say, or people trying to understand themselves. Um, through music and you know so i listen to a lot of um a lot of jamaican music i listen to a lot of you know german german crowd rock from the 70s Mm. i I listen to um to a lot of you know spiritual jazz yeah i think the thing that all of those types of music have in common is is a certain um certain quest to, to to understand what the universe is about and what our what our place in it is and, and I feel like that's what my music does too. Nice. Well along that same line as far as on that quest, um, and sort of their songwriting ability to describe that quest of, of finding the purpose and, and describing the universe there. Who do you think is one of the most sort of underappreciated uh, explainers of that question, uh, songwriters that <laughs> that do a great job at that, and you don't think they sort of get the credit they deserve. Um, I'm not sure. Credit is a funny question. <laughs> it's it's hard to it's hard to even understand what credit looks like. I think Curtis Mayfield was is yeah. a huge one for me. Oh, I mean, yeah. to me, Curtis Mayfield is, you know. He had a he had a a more complete view of of the universe than than a lot of other artists that I can think of right right at the moment. Curtis nice. Mayfield is a really big one for me, but you know, I mean, Curtis Mayfield is everyone that's a serious music fan knows who Curtis Mayfield oh, yeah. is. I feel like, but uh, 
So I don't know, you know, whether he's gotten the credit <laughs> that he's due. It's it's hard to say. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, speaking of inspirations, uh, last one on inspirations. Just recently, you got to do uh, what I do, and you interviewed somebody that was is pretty fantastic. You got to interview Robbie Robertson. You sat down and, and talked to uh, to him on the Talk House podcast uh, uh, mm-hmm. ab- yeah. ab- about yeah. all of his uh, sort of his his past working with the band and Dylan and everything. H- how was how was that getting to sort of dive into his career? Well, it was amazing to talk to him, and I found him so kind and generous with his with his time. Yeah, um, and um, you know, it was amazing. He has played a, a he, he has played a very important role in in some in in some music that means very very much to me in my life. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, for for people that are that are serious fans of of the band um you know there has there has long been i feel like uh a couple factions of 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 people that are that are fans or you know i think people that that really love levon helm's part in that music mm-hmm. as i do have for so long felt that robbie robertson you know kind of, I don't know. It was uh, um, you know Robbie Robertson took advantage of of the other guys in that group, mm-hmm. and I think over the years, as I've you know certainly as I've gotten older, as I've run my own band for years and years, and I don't I don't know. I just I feel like it's it's actually way more complicated <laughs> than that. And and um, and Robbie was a sweetheart. Yeah. You know? And, and I was I was really, really glad to talk to him. He got he I mean, it, you you could hear the general excitement in his voice when he would talk about those stories about. Is yeah, there, I mean, he, he still he still tells them in a in a way that is totally engaged. Yeah, that was that was nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. For the listeners out there, you should check it out. It's a it's a good interview. Um you went uh, back to your career. You went to Santa, uh, UC Santa Barbara, and that's where you sort of started your first uh, real uh, bands there. And uh, yeah. you know, I actually went back and I watched a sh- that that documentary that was made by Jack Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is intense. First of all, the yeah. the uh, the the video is uh, uh, intense documentary. Uh, have yeah. you have you kept in touch with Jack Johnson since then, since college? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. There were a lot of years where we were not in touch, but recently, over the past couple of years, we've we've been back in touch, and it's, it's really nice to still have that connection to that time in my life. Yeah, I, I just found it so crazy that watching that video, and you know, you doing tricks on skateboard, doing hardcore punk, and it filmed yeah. by Jack Johnson, and then cut to twenty seven years later. And you guys are, you know, 180 uh, as far as the the, the music and sound. Um, yeah. Well, after you guys, uh, or after that band, you you moved on to the Court and Spark, uh, which was actually a big turn in the music that you were making. Uh, it's more yeah. alt country, country sound. Uh, yeah. Through these different iterations, when you went from this hardcore punk to alt country, did it feel like at the time? 
uh, you had found your sound, or was it still like this doesn't feel like me when you were making it? Did it feel like it was your music at the time? I mean, I think I think uh, you know when we're when we're trying to be well, I can just speak for myself. I think as when I was young, trying to understand how to be an artist, I was trying on a lot of different. Um, a lot of different uh, costumes, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that um, I think that I, I don't, as 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 someone making art, I don't want to be. I don't want to be wearing a costume. Yeah. So my my part of my my journey has been figuring out how to communicate myself mm-hmm. to to the outside world in a. Um, in a way that doesn't feel like I'm wearing a costume that feels like I'm being genuine yeah. to myself. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's always going to be some sort of artifice anytime we're, we're creating something that is going to have a public life. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't, I don't ever want it to feel hokey. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like it needs to feel real. I need to be able to look back at it in 20 years and think like, ah, okay, that's a really good picture of where I was at that time in my life. I, yeah. I, I hear that. I hear that time in that song. Yeah. So, so all of those had that feel, even though it was a, a little bit different. Well, you know, I mean, the when I was making punk rock, like in in a way that is that is a very. Um, that is a very transparent picture of the type of person I was at that time. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad that it exists. It just, as I got older, that type of sound wasn't really, it was not enough. It was not going to be enough for me. Yeah. Anymore. Just harmonically and rhythmically, I was going to need, I was going to need a, a, a bigger palette to, communicate things that I felt like I wanted to communicate. Yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, there's some stuff that I, that I, that I hear of mine from over the years that I think like, uh, not a huge fan <laughs> of that, but you know, I mean, I, I don't think anybody really has the good fortune of creating, you know, Ever. work yeah. that they're a hundred percent proud of all the time, every time out. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, you you moved to North Carolina in 2007, and uh, sort of big decision. You decided to go to grad school at UNC for uh, mm-hmm. folklore, and uh, yep. how'd you settle on folklore? How was that the decision for the the, the grad major? Uh, I think at the time, I, I felt like I was I was pretty deep into. Um, you know, traditional American music, much of which has its roots in the South. Yeah. Um, and and so much of the music that I loved, um, again, came from the South. Yeah. And I felt like, in order to understand this music better, to have an emotional grasp of it, I need to I need to live in the South. Yeah. I'm only gonna be. I'm only going to be able to get so close to it if I'm always geographically far from it. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was 
that was part of it. I wanted to live in the South, and I needed a reason to drag my wife here. Um, <laughs> it's college. Then, uh, I have to do it. Come on. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then we also needed to change. We were living in San Francisco. You know, we were... We weren't going to be able to do the things that we wanted to do, like, you know, think about buying a house, have yeah. kids, all that sort of stuff that we've been able to do here. Yeah. So it was just prohibitively expensive in San Francisco then, and it's gotten even more so yeah. um, since we left. Yeah. Well, it, it seemed like working as a folklorist uh, gave you uh, some magic back as far as writing and it helped you find that sort of like you were saying that authentic feel without being hokey as you were saying before uh what did you learn about playing music when you went out into the field to do those surveys um i i i witnessed a lot of people making music just just for just because they loved the sound of it you know they weren't they weren't necessarily trying to get a record deal or make a record or go on tour they were just you know the music that they were creating was based in the community yeah and um i don't know it just was a at that time it was a pretty profound reminder that music has all sorts of different purposes yeah um i, I think that was something that i needed to hear then at a time when i felt like I had failed as a musician, mm. you know, seeing all of these people being so joyful with music in these, in these small, in these small sort of situations just made me think like, you know, I, I can make music. Yeah. This, this is actually what music is for is, is to articulate joy, yeah. um, with, with the people that we're close to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I got I got to throw off of the music questions here for a second, but uh, you've been in North Carolina for 13 years, and I've actually heard you talk a lot about how you like Southern food yes! as well. So, so I, yeah. I, I wanna I wanna ask if I'm coming to Durham, which I've I've been several times. If I go to Durham and I call you up and I'm like MC, I need a place to eat. What's your favorite place to eat that I should go? Oh man! See, I don't. I would end up giving you a list because <laughs> there is so much amazing food in Durham, as I'm sure you know, and oh, yeah. Raleigh as well. Um, there's so much amazing food here; it's kind of mind-boggling. <laughs> um, you know, so there's um, there's toast, there's dashi ramen, there's pizzeria toro, mm. there's um, Gosh, there's Ashley Christensen's restaurants mm. and in Raleigh. Um, you know, all of these places I think do a. Um, oh, there's Mateo, which is like kind of a a, a southern tapas fusion. Mm. All of these places I think are really focused on on local ingredients. They they kind of skew a little bit southern, but you know, there's also all kinds of other stuff happening yeah. um, with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's nice. helpful to you. Oh, There's no. also an amazing, an amazing like, Mexican cuisine here in Durham. Tons yeah. of taquerias and 
it's yeah, it's making me hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> I got like four new to the list. I love asking people that question. Yeah. So anytime <laughs> I travel, I've got at least a couple, you know, a couple in the pocket ready to pull out. Oh, I've heard about this place. I got to try it. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> so you wrote uh, you wrote your album Bad Debt in two thousand nine. Uh, and that that was a huge record for you, uh, but it wasn't a big budget. It wasn't meant to be a, a big record. Did you, even at that time, was that sort of your attempt after seeing those folks uh, having the joy of music as far as, uh, you know, on the surveys of folklore, was that sort of your, you know, he, I'm going to release these songs and play them for myself and my family uh, sort of idea with Bad Debt originally. I mean, it feels like it feels like that's the way it happens now. I don't know that I was thinking about it that way then. It took me many years to understand how how and what exactly happened at that time. Yeah. Um, but I, I think so. I mean, I was... You know, I certainly at that time had no big connection to the music biz, quote yeah. unquote. Um, I was just trying to create songs and find find my voice in a genuine way at that time, even though I had already been making music for years and years. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still was searching for how to say the things I wanted to sing about in a way that felt real to me. Yeah. Um, and so that, you know, that's what happened. I mean, those songs, it wasn't until I was mostly done with all of those songs that I even conceived of it as a record. Yeah. At the time, it was just sketches. I, I had no plans for what I would even do with that stuff. Yeah. It was all just kind of sitting, sitting together and... It wasn't until I played it for a friend of mine at the time, and he said, "Like this feels like a record, and a really, <laughs> it felt like a really cool record." Um, so yeah, it, it's funny because the the way that I've 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 read about it several times in interviews, and the way that the the authors write about it, and the way that you know you, you came from several different backgrounds as far as bands, it almost seems like to me that album should have been called Terms of Surrender because it seemed like you were just like, all right, I'm done. I don't know what else. These are my songs. Here they are. That's all I've got. Like, that's, it, it, uh, it, it came out like that, but it sort of, you know, sparked the fire in you there. And, uh, it, it, fantastic it I album. Mean, it was, that was a time of, that was a time of, of just reorientation in my life. I, because I was also, my wife and I had just had our first kid. Yeah. So, you know, there was there was a lot of confusion in my life, a lot of existential um, existential confusion. But also, more than anything else, there was so much joy and happiness. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, I w that was a really happy time in my life. And so, you know, even even when bad debt doesn't sound particularly joyful um it, it's still i could not have made those songs without being without being really really joyful about what what my life felt like right at that 
at that time. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned it as far as your oldest child being born right around that time. He was being an infant. Uh, I saw yeah. an interview a couple of years ago uh, where, where you were talking about how uh, scary uh, being a parent is, yes. which uh, I, I definitely agree, even though I don't have kids. It's frightening. Um, <laughs> do you still feel that way, or has it changed with your kids getting older? Is it still a scary process going through the years? I mean, I have my moments, sure, where <laughs> I feel like... Um, yeah, I, I I wonder what what lies ahead for my kids. I mean, yeah. certainly at a time like right now. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it it certainly feels easier to me now than it than it does when my kids were infants. Just yeah. Because when they're tiny, they feel so breakable. <laughs> <laughs> so so I don't really have that yeah. feeling anymore. Um, like my kids are are you know pretty big they're pretty tough they can take care of themselves so you know just the physicality of the physical fear for them has has um receded yeah well i i saw in that same interview uh that was you were talking about how at the time your your son was was really digging on some weird owl that was like his favorite music <laughs> now does he still, still is he still, still he's still a big fan yes Okay. Yeah, it's like his number one. Weird Al is his number one. Wow. All right. Okay. Man, I'm surprised you guys didn't cover that instead of the John Prine song. Threw out a... a... Uh, I mean, and if he, if I would have asked him what, what song we should play, it would have been a Weird Al song. <laughs> no question. Uh, well, so around the uh, 2014, end of 2014, you actually, that was when you took your career to full-time. That's when you uh, quit your job yep. as a folklorist uh, and went into uh, the music industry 100%. Uh, how did you mm -hmm. feel at that time when you did that? And, you know, how do you feel now, looking back at it six years later, how do you feel about the decision? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it was a good decision. I have always been something of a malcontent in, in any job that I've had. <laughs> um, you know, at that time and for many years, for many years, I was very, very anxious about whether I would be able to make, make it work. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a tough one. Mm -hmm. Um, but, has it gotten better? I think at the time, at the time, I felt like I was kind of bumping my head up against the the ceiling that I could not go beyond if I was going to continue to have like a full time job. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, and there was nobody really pushing me to to make the leap, um, you know. But it was pretty obvious, you know that. Once I'd used up all my vacation and sick time, I couldn't really take any more tours, which was something that I needed and wanted to be doing that. So, yeah. So I made the leap, and it and it worked. Nice. Somehow it worked. I don't know. I don't know how, <laughs> but it's continued to work. So we'll, we'll see. 
We'll see what happens. Well, on your last studio album, Turbans of Surrender, uh, and I've seen this again uh, several times, you talked about how recording it, the, the, the sort of motivation as far as the lyrics, you had this unshakable sort of negative feeling, unshakable feeling about death and sort of your untimely demise there. Uh, yeah. Have Have you shook that? Uh, has that? Uh, have you got? You know, past I that? feel like I feel like I have. Um, uh, one thing I've been doing during all of us being at home has has been a lot of writing and um, nice. creation of new music, and nice. I feel like um, you know the the writing and creation of Terms of Surrender that was a tr- that was a hard. That was a hard time for me. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I have reconnected with something important um, in my... I mean, I, the, you know, those songs, I needed to I needed to write the songs on terms of surrender. I needed to sing them and in order, I think, to exercise mm-hmm. some, some certain, certain things, certain yeah. demons, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you know the stuff that I'm working on now. I'm I'm really excited about, and um, yeah, it's just uh, it, it feels it feels fresh to me. Nice. And I think at the time that I was creating Terms of Surrender, it was taking me a long time to find the to find the freshness in in certain things. Yeah. Um, I love that record. I love how it turned out, and it's it's a really important one for me. Yeah, but I'm hoping that I don't have to make another record like <laughs> that for a while. <laughs> uh, let's let's hope not. Uh, let's let's talk about the the most recent album, um, Ford Children, which was a live record uh, that you recorded oh, at yeah. uh, Cat's Cradle in North Carolina. And uh, the important yeah. thing there is all proceeds go to, to raising money for uh, Durham Public Schools. Yes! And obviously, yeah. as I mentioned before, your your wife is a teacher. Your parents were both teachers. Uh, how did you come to the idea of making this album with the proceeds going to, to public schools? Well, we um, I have been partnered with an organization called the Durham Public Schools Foundation since September. Mm-hmm. Um, just because... Um, because of my connection to public education, I wanted to be able to do something mm-hmm. um, as someone outside of, you know, someone that doesn't work in public education. I wanted to to be able to um, to support public education locally here in Durham. Yeah. And I wanted to be able to talk about the importance of public education from the stage every night. So mm-hmm. we ended up tacking a dollar onto every ticket price for all of the touring that we did from September through, you know, February. Mm -hmm. And so we already were, we already were sending money to Durham public schools. Yeah. And when it, when it became clear that schools were going to shut down because of, um, the coronavirus. Yeah. The first thing my wife said is there are going to be a lot of kids that are, really hungry because they yeah. they depend on they depend on school for at least two of their meals every day. Yeah. And that kind of got the gears turning in my head a little bit and thinking like what what could I what's a way that I could raise a bunch of money for Durham Public Schools 
quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I started thinking, we ha- I have years worth of live shows yeah. recorded that we've never, never done anything with. I mean, I have hundreds of live his shows. Yeah. And um, so I started talking to um, my friend, a house engineer and, and dear friend Luke and said, hey, what was what do you think was one of the best shows that we played recently? And we started talking about the Cat's Cradle, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so everybody kind of put their their backs into it. I think from conception to to actually having a finished master of that record, it was like five days, maybe. Wow! And um, yeah, and then we we put it up on. On Bandcamp first, it's on the streaming services now. But you know, I think we've probably sent twenty thousand dollars to to Durham Public Schools so far. Very nice, very nice. Well, it sounds. I mean, you know, talking about live, it the the recording sounds amazing as far as the the well, audio thanks. quality. Uh, that's know. that's really down. That's really down to to Luke Sewer's, uh skills. Our our our, our engineer. <laughs> He's. Um, yeah, he's been with me for a long time, and you know we travel with all our own, all our own gear. So, um, you know, we're very specific about what mics we're using. Yeah, I don't know. It it, it turned out really well. I was pleased too. <laughs> ever, ever ever since ever since I started recording people live in the studio here, I'm always impressed when I hear something like that. I'm just like, man. They get such good yeah. sound. How do they do that? Yeah, yeah. I gotta get a professional yeah. in here to do this. Jeez. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real, it's a real skill. For sure, for sure. Well, last question. Uh, you were you were just talking about how you've been getting so much writing done. Um, yeah. What what's the plans moving forward as far as that writing and as far as uh, future projects? Um. <clears throat> Well, the plan was to record this new record at the end of May. I don't mm-hmm. know that that's going to happen because um, I, I don't think that we're going to be in a place where we can travel around freely yeah. quite quite yet then. So um, I think we're now going to attempt to make the new record in July. Okay. We'll hope that we'll hope that some travel is eased up a little bit then. Yeah. Um, and then we would put hope, hoping, I mean, everything is up in the air right now, For sure. but I would love to see, um, some of this new music out in the world and, you know, like the spring of 2021. Nice. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I'm sure we're all looking forward to it. Um, yeah. MC, I want to, uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been fantastic. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. Yes. Listeners, you can keep up with all things His Golden Messenger at hisgoldenmessenger.com or you can follow him on Instagram at hisgoldenmessenger. Right now, let's take a listen to I Need a Teacher off of Ford Children right here on the Doc G Show.
public school teachers and staffers. We appreciate you very much. And we are back here on the Doc G Show. You just heard his golden messenger. That was I Need a Teacher. It's my favorite jam of his. Mm. I Need a Teacher. Love it. Yeah, it's a it's a good one. It's got it's got an inspiring feel, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a good way to I, describe it. I um there was one thing I didn't ask MC that I wanted to, hmm. but he just seems like too serious of a guy that I thought he might like stab me through the phone. Wait, what? So <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, he. I don't know if you noticed this, Dave. I don't know how many pictures you've looked at MC, but in all of his pictures, he looks so serious. Like he looks, yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks agitated almost. He's it, just got that look in his eyes. It eye. looks like like eighty percent of his pictures look like he's been standing in the line at the DMV for an hour, and he got to the front of the line, and they just told him that he filled out the wrong form. Girl, come on. Like that's <laughs> his look for like eighty percent. And I wanted to ask him, like, is that is that on purpose? Or does he, that just... Yeah, did he train himself is, to do that? Yeah, or? it's like, they're like, hey, we're going to take a picture. And he's like, really? And he just stares over at him and the cameraman melts into a puddle, you know? What? Or mm. is it just uh, accidentally? Is that the way he normally stares and he's just an intense stare? Right, right. You know? I didn't, but I didn't want to ask him because I didn't want to be like, you shut your mouth about my staring, you know? I didn't, I didn't know. So I didn't ask Smile. I didn't, I didn't have the to do it dave i didn't i couldn't do it i'm sorry that's okay but maybe next time he did he did give us some great suggestions on eateries so now he did when we're making our tour up to the east coast because we got we, i mean we can just knock out a whole bunch of things on the way we can go we can go uh hmm. well actually we're gonna have oh man we're gonna have mm, i'm gonna have to figure out how to get all the way to detour donuts in frisco Jeez. frisco texas you Ooh, know we have to do that we'll have yeah. to do that well that'll have to be a west coast sort of deal that'll have to be a, a interstate 10 sort of deal on our east coast mm -hmm. deal mm -hmm. we'll go south carolina uh royal american uh, Charleston. Then we'll hit up mm. uh, Raleigh, get a couple locations that MC told us about, then head all the way up to uh, New York, hit up the yep. uh, Greek restaurant that Mike told us in uh, Queens, and then mm -hmm. hit up uh, hit up uh, the 420 lesbians there. Yes! Say what's up to them yes. in Maine. That's in Maine. That's yep. our trip right now. And we got to go through Rhode Island because me and you haven't hit up Rhode Island. So we got to go we through haven't. there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so far Crossed planned off out. The list. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, big thanks to MC for all of the, of the uh, proceeds yes, going. You to uh the public schools of durham that's that's a big deal that's good so you know? true shout out to him man yeah that's that's impressive Baller. it's a nice way to go uh if we made any money 
I would donate some of it. That's a fact. You know? You would, definitely. You know, I'd do that. But we don't make any money. In fact, we just spend a, nope. we just spend a lot of money. We just so, buy stuff. So, <laughs> so it's the opposite. So if he wants to donate his next album... I'm kidding! Don't donate your next album to us. That would be selfish and horrible. You're doing good things, Rude. MC Taylor. Good things. Keep it up. And making good music. Check out his new album, guys. It'll, it'll save some schools. Uh, Dave, it's time. Last birthday suit. Okay. Three for three. Let's do it. Yeah. This one, I'm not even worried. You got 100% this one. Uh, that's okay. that's my confidence rating on this one. 100%. 100. Should I start giving a confidence rating out of percentage? I think I'm going to do that. 100%. Yeah, I like that. 100% here. Uh, born on May okay. 6, 1985 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. He grew okay. up playing basketball and football and idolized his grandfather. In high school, he excelled at basketball, where his senior year, get this stat line, his senior year, he averaged 30.8 points a game, 5.9 rebounds a game, 9.5 assists a game, 6 nice. steals a game. Ooh. That was his wow. stat line. Impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He was named North Carolina's Mr. Basketball, and he chose to go to mm -hmm. Wake Forest University. He averaged 14.8 mm -hmm. points, 5.9 assists, and 2.7 steals per game his freshman year and was named ACC Rookie of the Year. He then decided to mm -hmm. go to the NBA draft, where he was uh, drafted by a fourth overall by the New Orleans Hornets. He was Chris Paul. Chris Paul is correct. Yes, indeed. He was traded to the Clippers in 2011, then to the Houston Rockets in 2017. And last year, he spent his first season on the Oklahoma Thunder. Since being in the NBA, he has been a 10-time All-Star, an 8-time All-NBA player, a 4-time assist leader, a 6-time steals leader, and won two gold medals in 2008 and 2012. Jeez. Chris. What a resume. Paul. Yes. Yes. CP3, happy birthday, sir. And extremely impressive for being a six-foot-tall fella, too. You know? Yeah, I didn't realize he left after his freshman year, and it doesn't even, like, stats-wise, it doesn't even sound that impressive, but um, he went fourth overall, so... Went fourth overall, you know. and his jersey was retired by Wake Forest, and, I mean, yeah. you know, 2.7 steals a game. That's pretty impressive. I mean... Not as impressive yeah, as his... 14 and 5. You know, 14 yeah. and 6. We'll round up. It was 5.9. Okay. It was 5.9. We'll okay. round up. Uh, but, I mean, 6 steals in high school. That's insane. Yes! That's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> and then almost 10... I mean, he, he almost averaged a double-double with points and assists. And with 30 points. 30, yeah. yeah, almost 31 points. Just, oh, my God. I, I know he was that baller. team when he showed up. Everybody's like, hey, did you hear about that Chris Ball guy? He's like averaging like yeah, 31 yeah. points, and he steals the ball like every other play. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> crap, that's no good. Yeah, man. Six feet tall, though. Just a baller. Just a baller. Yeah. 
all around. And he never looks like super in shape, you know? No. He's always kind of got a little He's a little like, husky. A little husky. Yeah. I wouldn't really say he's belly. He's, he's just, he's stocky. Okay, he's just not chiseled. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, yeah, stocky, yeah. you know? Because every now and then, like, he's got some definition in the arms, you know? I've just never really... Right. Yeah, 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 I've never really seen him with his shirt off, so I couldn't really make a judgment on that, you know? Word. But yeah. he is. Yeah. He is a bit stocky, but man, is he fast. But he's quick. Quick feet. He yeah. is fast. And they could jump, too, man. I don't think I've ever seen him oh, dunk. Yeah. Have you ever seen him dunk? Yeah, he rarely does it. Um, I th- During an all-star game, they threw him an alley-oop. He's a little rim grazer. Not, well, I mean, you know, six feet and Doug's still pretty impressive, especially an oop. That's oh, nice. yeah. It's nice. For sure. Happy birthday. Turn to the big 3-5. Getting hey, up happy there. Happy birthday. Getting CP3, up there. CP3, 35. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave. It's time where I tell you about the great shows. We've got great shows. So true. Two of them. Do I'll it, give buddy. you two of them. First, next week, we've got Bones of J.R. Jones. I've told you a little bit about this guy. Oh, yeah. Very excited. Oh, yeah. He's a one-man band. He he does it all. He plays the tambourine. He plays the bass drum. He plays the guitar. And he plays the harmonica all in one song. Jeez. All. Wow. Yeah, at the same time. You'd think it's a, you'd think it's a whole band. It's just him. He's uh, He, he, he lives now in the Catskills. Which I've told a lot of people, I can't think of the cat skills now without thinking of uh, Rip Van Winkle. Nope. I just, I just <laughs> always think of Rip, and I just, I'm like, man, I'd like to take a nap. It'd be nice. That's a fact. It'd be lovely, you know. But I just saw yeah. on his Instagram, it's a bunch of snow that happened. Ew. Bunch of snow that Ooh. happened this week. So horrible. Not, wow. not. Well, I mean, I guess you could nap inside, but not outside. Definitely. Not napping weather outside. Anyways, I'm so excited. We're going to talk about his newest album. We're going to talk about growing up, getting into the blues. We're going to talk all that. Then we've also got Jamestown Revival. Very excited about this. Came highly recommended. If you remember Trey Binkley that was on the show with none other than Drake Freeman, Mm -hmm. both those guys came into the studio, played some jams for us. Me and Trey were Mm -hmm. talking over the weekend, this past weekend. He was like, dude, I heard you're getting Jamestown Revival on the show. I was like, yeah, that's right. He's like, oh, my God, one of the best shows I've ever seen. I saw him at the Ryman Theater here in in Nashville. They killed it, bro. And I was like, yeah. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. He's like, I'm Ooh. very excited. So we're all I'm excited. excited now. Yeah, we're all excited, Dave. All excited. So true. Good shows coming up, but for now, gonna have to end the show. I've been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Say what? Stay safe out there, guys. I know stuff's opening up. But don't be stupid. Yeah. You don't want to miss the show next week or listen from the hospital. Keep it safe. Keep it social distancing. Keep it keep it clean. That's what we need to ask. That's what we're asking Amen. for. Amen. Keep it clean. Keep it clean, Dirty, guys. Nasty. Keep it clean. It's tough for me. You guys know it's tough for me, but I do it. I do it for you guys. What? Anyways, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo doo.